morning. My on here. Uh, well, we have a mission here at Valley Town to make, to mature and to mobilize disciples of Jesus, and we believe that God has plans to fill all of Southern Vermont with disciples of Jesus, and we've really caught a vision to. Um, to play a role in that, and we believe that um, it's something that's going to happen. And we believe that if we will commit to, kind of um, stick to certain core values, that that will happen. We, we are first and foremost gospel-centered. We say that because everything that we do focuses on the gospel of Jesus, the good news about Jesus. That Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he never sinned against God. He then took our sin against God, our rebellion against God on himself on the cross and paid the penalty for our law-breaking, our sin against God. And he uh, died on the cross, he was buried, he took our sin with him to the grave, but he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose victoriously, and Jesus is alive. And that's the gospel, and we focus on the gospel. And um, we believe that if, if we focus on the gospel, if we preach the gospel, if we make sure that our own hearts as individuals are focusing on the gospel, then we will grow, then the ministry will grow. People will come to know Jesus and lives will be changed. So we're gospel-centered. We, um, we're committed to make disciples. And we, we say that every disciple is a disciple-maker. We believe that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, that he was giving that commission to all believers. And that includes us. And so every disciple is a disciple-maker. And we're committed to making disciples. Uh, we also are committed to community. We say that we're a family. We're the family of God. We don't call this church. We call this a gathering because church is not an event that you go to or a building that you meet in. The church is the people of God. And, when, and, and the word that, that we get uh, church from in the Bible is the Greek word ecclesia, which most literally just means gathering. So the church is the gathering of the followers of Jesus. And so we call this the gathering um, we are committed to give generously. We say that if you aren't willing to give of yourself, if you aren't willing to give of your time, of your talents, of your resources, of your money, then we aren't ever going to impact anyone. In order to have an impact and have an influence, we have got to be a generous people, a generous church. We're committed to developing leaders, and we believe that leadership development is key because leaders don't just happen, but they are intentionally invested in. And if we're going to plant more churches, which we are going to plant more churches, if we're going to grow, then new leaders have to be developed. And so we do that intentionally. And then the, the last uh, value that we commit to is to live missionally. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And what is this word missional anyway? What does it mean to live missionally? 
And, I, and I'm hopefully going to bring some clarity to that this morning. But God is a missional God. He is a God on a mission. It's his mission, not ours. And he is the one who has been on a mission since the beginning, since Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sin entered into humanity. God has been on a rescue mission which culminated in him sending his son. So now we join in that mission with him. And we tell people about Jesus, the one who's changed our lives. So some of you probably think I made that word missionally up. It's, I didn't make it up. Maybe somebody did, but I didn't make it up. It's a real word as far as I know. The main, the main point is this. Missionaries are not just people who go to Africa. They're not just people who go to South America or go to China or go to... Missionaries are people who are sent, right? That's what a missionary is, someone who is sent. Well, we, if we have really all been commissioned by Jesus to go and make disciples, then we have all been sent. It's just that we're not all sent overseas or to another country. Most of us have been sent right here, right where you live, you've been sent. And so to live missionally is to see yourself as someone who is sent. Is this wet spot on my shirt, is it as distracting to you guys as it is to me? Every time it sticks to my side, I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Joe, for that. I appreciate it. Um, so we've been going through the book of Acts, and uh, we're on Acts chapter 3 this morning. And we're just going to look right at the text, and we're going to learn um, from Peter and John some keys to living on mission. And if you got a bulletin when you came in, there's some, there's some uh, fill-in-the-blanks there that will kind of go along with my message. So um, first, let me just read... Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. We have Bibles in the back. So um, if you would like a Bible, just slip your hand up and we'll get a Bible to you right now. Somebody will. Awesome. Got a couple people. Um, And that's yours to take home. That's our gift to you. Um, Acts chapter 3. And uh, I'm going to read the first nine verses. You can keep your hand up if you would like a Bible. It's coming your way. And let me pray real quick before before I read this. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your church that you have gathered here to hear your word, to worship you. Lord, um, I pray that you would somehow use me. Um, I'm just going to give what I got, and I pray that you would somehow take that. And, um, and like the, the loaves and the fishes, that you would multiply it, and that you would somehow feed um, these people with, with all I've got to give. And that uh, you would be honored, and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. I pray that... Your spirit will be at work in hearts this morning and that um, your word would produce fruit. 
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you guys know I don't preach with any kind of authority. The authority is the word of God. So just to make that really clear, this book is the authority. So I stand on this as the authority. And so we're going to read it. It's the most important thing I'm going to say this morning is right here. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. So, let me put this into context. This is before... There were formal gatherings of the church like this, like we are accustomed to today. This is the very beginning. The church has just been started. They've heard the gospel, and it says that 3,000 people believed the gospel of Jesus and were baptized. And so that was the church, was the people. And at the time, they met in the temples. The Jewish people would meet in the temple to hear the scriptures read and to pray. And so that was the only formal gathering going on at the time. And so they were still going to that to hear the scriptures and to pray. And so that was kind of like going to church for them at the time. And so Peter and John are on their way there to do some praying. And it's the middle of the day. And that's what my first, that's where my first point is. Um, They were not there yet when the miracle happened. They were on their way. It says, as they approached the temple, this this happened. They weren't there yet. And so my first point is this. How How can you be missional? This is on your sheet. How can you be missional? Or how can you live on mission? And my first point is live. Live your life. You don't have to be in church for God to do something miraculous. You don't have to be reading your Bible for God to break through. God will do things if you will live your life with God, live all of your life with him, then you will see him break through and do miraculous things. Here's what I mean. Let me clarify that. We, we have a tendency to compartmentalize our lives. And we say, you know, my life intersects with God in certain places. My life intersects with God when I go to church, right? Or when I'm praying. Or when I happen to read my Bible. That's when my life intersects with God. We compartmentalize. I've got, you know, I, I'm, I follow Jesus and I work. Or I'm a Christian and I hang out with my friends as well on the weekends. 
Or, you know, I, I, I believe the Bible and I play golf. We compartmentalize. We, God and then the, the rest of my life. And so what, what happens is we put God in a box and we, we can only see God work in that box. So you expect God to do something big on Sunday morning when you gather with the church. But the reality is that God wants to work all day, every day. He wants you to live your life with him. We, we tend to think of certain times and places as being sacred. And so we separate the sacred from the secular. And that's where we get the idea that, for example, communion can only be done you know, on Sundays. It can only be administered by, by, some, by a preacher, by a minister. Or, you know, some of you, some of you, I'm going to get you on this one. Some of you use a completely different vocabulary at work than you do here. You walk in here and you're like, oh, I can't say that. Right? Why? What's the difference in here? This is just wood. And I don't even know if that's sheetrock. These are really old walls. This is just a building. You think God is like more in here than he is at your work? No. He is everywhere. And if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, then he is in you. You are the temple now. That's what the New Testament teaches. So I'm not here railing on you. But, but here's my point. If you do that, if you, if you use a completely different vocabulary at work than you do here, then that means that you've done this, what I'm talking about. You have compartmentalized. Does that make sense? If there are things that you wouldn't do in here that you don't have any problem doing on Wednesday or on Friday night, then you have compartmentalized your life. God is wanting you to live your whole life with him. Isn't that good news? That's not bad news. That's really good news. He loves you and wants you to live your whole life with him. He wants to be included in your everyday decisions. The Bible says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. He wants, he wants you to eat with him. He's there. It's not that he isn't there. It's just that you're not, you're not paying attention to him until you get here or until you get ready to pray, or until you read your Bible. He's always there. He wants you to include him in every single part of your life. That's the first step to being a missionary, to living missionally. And that's what, obviously, Peter and John were doing. Can you imagine if Peter and John had been going to the temple and this guy goes, hey, can I get some change? Can I get some money? And they were like, 
Sorry, we are on our way to church. We got to get in there so we can pray. Can you imagine that? They would have got in there and like got down on their knees and they're like, oh, Lord, I've been waiting to get here and meet with you. And he would have been like, I'm waiting for you out on the steps. I'm waiting for you out there. You passed me by to get in here. But see, they didn't do that. They saw that all of life is meant to be lived with God. And so they recognize this as being an opportunity. So living life with God is the first step to becoming missional. The second step is listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. That's what it says. He saw this this man sees them about to enter into the temple and he asked them for some money. So what it seems is that at this point, Peter and John haven't even noticed the man yet. They're just going, they're walking. But somebody asked them for some money. And because they're listening, they're listening to the Holy Spirit, this, this kind of, this stops them in their tracks. It seems like they're walking in the sky and they go, and this man's asking me for money. And I, and, and I use my imagination here, but I believe that probably they're, they're in, their, in their mind, they're praying at this moment. They're going, Lord, is this you? Are you wanting to do something here? This guy just asked me for some money and I don't have any money to give him. And I think the Lord probably spoke back and said, yeah, I want you to heal. I want to heal this guy. I want to heal this guy. Um, you know, it, it, he, this guy was probably not the only one sitting on the steps. But God had a plan for that day for this man. And, I, and because they were listening, because they were in tune, they were listening for the Holy Spirit to lead them, to guide them then God was able to use them in a really cool way. So they're just going along and somebody says, I need money. And they go, that could be God, that could be God wanting to get my attention. Lord, what are you wanting to do? I don't have any money to give this guy. So they're listening. They're listening. They're, they're living life with God. They haven't compartmentalized God. They believe that God can work on the steps of the temple. They don't have to get inside. And they're listening to the Holy Spirit and they recognize that somebody's need, somebody's need, this guy has a need, might be an opportunity for God to move. Have you ever thought about that? You probably know people. You probably are connected with people. You may be a person who has a great need right now. Your need is an opportunity for God to do something miraculous. It is an open door for God to do something miraculous. So they hear, I need some money. I believe they're listening to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit says, you know, I want to heal this guy. And so they, they go, you know what, I can give you something 
better than money. And I I just want to say this. Do not limit God by what you don't have. Do not limit God by what you don't have. What you don't have is just asking God to move. By what you don't have, you are just asking God to move. They didn't have what the guy wanted. If they had, the story would have gone way differently. Oh, you need some money? Yeah, yeah. And then the story's over. And the guy's still lame. No miracle, no breakthrough. Right? Don't limit the Lord by what you don't have. Because, this is what Peter and John understood. Because you have access to the kingdom of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, then you have access to the kingdom of God. Which is, I mean, is there any limit to resources in the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God has everything you need. Your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your family member who needs something. You, you are an heir to the kingdom of God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you have Jesus' spirit in you, then you are an heir to the kingdom of God. You have access to kingdom resources. Don't see, don't limit God by what you don't have. All right. My next point is look. Look. Look through the eyes of Jesus. Look at what, look at what it says. It says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. He looked at him intently. I... I think that probably Peter and John had walked past this guy a hundred times before. Probably had given him money a hundred times before. I'm, I'm guessing. It says that they, would, that they would bring this man to the steps of the temple. This was a good place for him to go to get some money. They had probably passed this guy a hundred times. And you know what happens when you pass someone or something a hundred times? You know what happens when you become really familiar with it? You don't see it. When we moved up here, uh, Zach's going to love that I'm telling this story because these kinds of things probably drive him crazy about me. Um, when, when we moved up here, the house that we moved into was furnished, and we, had, we brought all of our own stuff. So I had to move all the stuff that was in the, in the house down to the cellar. Well, because of the way that the cellar steps are, you couldn't get a box spring down the cellar steps. So I had brought my box spring, and then there was already a box spring in the house. And so I'm just like, well, I guess my box spring is worthless. So in the, you know, chaos of moving into a house um, in February in Vermont, uh, we, we just put our box spring on the side of the house temporarily until I was going to have a chance to cut it up and throw it away. Well, I, you know, I was busy. 
and, I, and, I, and it's just leaning on the side of the house. And then, like, a few weeks go by, and, and you know, every now and then, Zach would be like, hey, you going to do anything with that box spring? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, a few more weeks go by. And then a few more weeks go by. And I just don't even see it anymore because I've seen it a hundred times, right? I've seen it a hundred times. So familiarity leads to blindness. Familiarity leads to blindness. And you are familiar with certain needs. You're familiar with certain people. In your neighborhood, on your street, in, in your workplace, in your family, you're familiar with people, with needs. And, and you know what? Those things are becoming like the box spring. You don't even see them anymore. You've seen them a hundred times. And so to live missionally, to live like a missionary, you've got to look. Look through the eyes of Jesus. There's, there are no coincidences or mistakes or idle words. There are no pointless words in the Bible. There's a reason why it, said, it tells us that they looked intently at the man. It's, it's to show us something. So, here's my point. Your neighbor, your family member, your friend, the people that you're connected to, the people that you work with, look at them. Don't just see them. Don't just walk past. You've seen them a hundred times and look intently. Look through the eyes of Jesus. I promise you there are certain people in your life that God wants you to see through whole, through new eyes. Look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. God's positioned you. I, this is the thing, you know, at Valleytown, one of, one of the things that we're really, is big for us is that we, we don't want to pile a lot of stuff on people. We don't want to do a bunch of events. So, so we don't do, you know, we don't do the potlucks. We don't do the, if those things happen organically, that's awesome. But we don't plan these things like to just do all this stuff, to just keep busy. Because we believe that God has already positioned every one of you He's already positioned me. He's already positioned us to be missionaries right where we are. In the lives that we're living currently. The people that you already know. In the people that you already see every week. In the person who waits on you at the restaurant. Or the person that you pass going to work. Or whoever. You are already connected to people. That God wants to use you in their lives. You're positioned for mission. You just need to see them through the eyes of Jesus. If you will recognize that God wants you to live your whole life with Him, 
if you'll live your whole life with him and not, not put God in a box and not compartmentalize your life and, and, and start to say, okay, God, let's go to work today. All right, God, let's, let's eat some lunch. All right, God, let's clean the house. Let's go cut the grass. Let's go for a drive. Start living life with God. If you start doing that, then you've done one big step toward living like a missionary. Then if you start listening, listen for the Holy Spirit. Say, I want to hear you speak to me. I want to be led by you. I want you to use me today in, in, in some way. I want you to help me to, to do a miracle, maybe. To just love someone. Start listening. Start looking around through the eyes of Jesus. Start looking at your neighbors with fresh eyes as if you've never seen them. Look at your family members with fresh eyes as if you've never seen them through the eyes of Jesus. Your coworkers. You're going to see things that you've become blind to because of familiarity. And if you'll do those things, then that will position you to love people. That's my final point. It says that Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And Peter took him, took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where people's lives will be changed because of your influence. So Peter didn't just recognize that there was a need here. He didn't just, he didn't just pass by and give, give this guy what, what he was asking for, just some money. He was looking through the eyes of Jesus. He saw, he heard the Holy Spirit say to him, I want to heal this guy And then he gives this guy the best possible thing he could have given him. He heals him. And as a result, what happens? This man meets Jesus. He's going around praising God. God's using him now. He's using this man now. This man's going around praising God. And if I had time to preach from the whole chapter here, what we find is that it it draws this huge crowd. And Peter, being the opportunity, What's the word? Opportunist? Is that the right word? That he is. He goes, man, this is a great chance to preach the gospel. And he preaches the gospel to this huge crowd that's gathered. He's like, this wasn't us. That Don't look at us. He, get, he, he takes all the focus off of him, puts it on Jesus. This isn't us. This is Jesus. Look at Jesus. He preaches the gospel of Jesus and more lives are changed. Because Peter and John were able to love this guy. Again, they didn't have what this man was asking for. And you have people in your life that are asking you, they're asking you for something you may not even be able to give to them. But you have what they need. Peter says, I'll give you what I have. What I've received. 
I've received the name of Jesus. I've received the identity of Jesus. I'm hidden in him. My identity's in Jesus. I carry the name of Jesus. I represent Jesus here. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. And I can give you what I have. I have Jesus. And so you have people in your life, they're asking you for things. Maybe you can't give them, but you can give them Jesus. You can give them Jesus. You carry the name. You carry the name. You can love them in the name of Jesus, and they can be changed forever. Give them what you have. Here, here's my, my thoughts on this. If, if you aren't accustomed to living like a missionary, start simple. And here's my advice to start really simple. Think about the people in your life. Pray about it. And think about the people in your life. And think of one person. Start with one person in your life. Preferably someone who likes you. Um, <laughs> We call those people of peace. There are going to be some people in your life who are just really abrasive and like, you, you know, they just don't, they don't really like you. They might not be the best person to start with. Um, and the way that Jesus put it, he said, when he sent out his disciples, he said, when you go into these different towns, say to them, peace be with you, shalom. And if they say, peace be with you, then enter into their house and stay with them. So look for people who receive you. Okay, now think about your life. There are people in your life who like you. They receive you. They want to hear how your day went. Those are people that God has placed in your life sovereignly so that you can love them. So that you can share the good news about Jesus with them. You can share your life with them. Think about this person and say, okay, now what would it take for me to start developing a deeper friendship with this person? Start there. If you work with them, can you go to lunch with them on a regular basis? Can you have them over for dinner? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, opening your home. Can you open your home? Can you have them over for dinner, maybe on a recurring basis, to start investing in them, start to build a deeper relationship? Do you have a class with them? Can you start intentionally having conversation with them? What would it take to start building a deeper friendship with them? 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul says, We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. We shared our lives with you. Who can you share your life with? You have a hobby? Invite somebody to do it with you. Do you you work on your car? Invite somebody to work on your car with you. What are you already doing that you can invite someone into? Think of ways that you can just build a relationship with someone. You don't have to overcomplicate this thing. This This is a... All it is to be missional is to live your life with God. Include God in everything you do. 
Listen to the Holy Spirit as you go. Look through the eyes of Jesus. And then when you see a way that you can love someone, love them. Love them. Share Jesus with them. Share your life with them. And then share Jesus with them. It's really that simple. I think that if we will live our lives that way, if if we would all live our lives that way, think of the impact on our community. Think of the impact. We might not see lame people walk every day, but there are people in your life who are unable to walk on their spiritual feet. They don't know Jesus. They don't know. They don't know what Jesus has done for them, has offered them. And God's waiting for you to go up to them and take them by the hand and say, get up and walk. I can't give you maybe what you're asking for. You might not even be asking for Jesus, but I know you need him. I know you need him. And pull him up by the hand. If we start doing that, if, if, we, if we don't put this off on, you know, the church, the, the, the gathering, put it off on somebody else to do this, then our community will change really quickly, rapidly. Many of you are already doing this. I love hearing the stories from you of, of the ways that you're investing in people's lives, the ways that you're sharing the gospel with people. All right. I just want to really quickly say that if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and, and you're, for no reason, you can't make any sense of it, but you're sitting in your chair and you feel so uncomfortable, you just want to get up and run the heck out of here, it might just be because God is after you. And in a loving way, not after you, like after you, I'm going to crush you. That's not God. He is a father. He is loving. He pursues us. He gave his only son up for us. That's God. And he just may be after you this morning. And if that's you, I don't want you to leave here without having an opportunity to meet him. To meet Jesus and to be changed by Jesus. So, uh, I just want you to understand that Jesus has done it for you. you. You can't earn your salvation. You cannot earn your way into God's favor. This isn't about works. This is about what Jesus did for us. This is about what Jesus did for us. And you just receive what he did by faith. And that's grace. You cannot earn this. So I'm, I'm going to ask us to uh, bow, bow our heads really quickly. And if you're here this morning, every head is bowed. If you're here this morning and you would say, you know, I want, I want to meet Jesus. I want this gift. 
of salvation that you're talking about. I want to follow Jesus. I want to turn from doing life the way I've been doing it, and I want to do it His way. If that's you this morning, then, man, praise God. He's after you. That you, you wouldn't want this if it wasn't, if he wasn't after you. So if that's you this morning, you want that, you're not afraid to say that's me, then stand up right now. Don't be ashamed to follow Jesus. If that's you, stand up right now. Don't be ashamed to follow Jesus. If you want this, stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible says call on him while he is near. Thank you. Thank you. If you want this, if you want this, then I'm going to ask you to do one more thing because we need to talk to you. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. You just come, come forward and, and uh, right over here and we want, we want to talk to you. If that's you, if you've stood up because you've said, I want Jesus, I want this, then come on forward right right now. You're not alone. Come on. You don't have to be ashamed. going to pray for us. Father, I thank you for each and every one of these souls, Lord. I thank you for the power of the gospel. I thank you for boldness. God, I pray that you would bless each and every one of these people. God, I pray that right now that you would Give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help us as a church to come alongside, to walk alongside each and every person that wants to follow Jesus and be their family. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I I thank you so much for what you're doing. We love you. And we're going to keep worshiping you this morning and lifting up the name of Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.